was safe until now. Triple the fun, frolic, and mayhem. Hi, this is Sam Gibb with Mag Music. I'm Frank Adol, and I listen to Behind the Mic. If this isn't an insanely beautiful woman, I'm hanging out. Sir, I, I, I think you should listen to this. The Behind the Mic Show. <laughs> Don't miss it. They just might talk about something worth listening to. something to you whenever you come in here and interrupt me you're breaking my concentration you're distracting me and it will then take me time to get back to where i was understand on september the 11th enemies of freedom committed an act of war against our country americans have known wars but for the past 136 years They have been wars on foreign soil, except for one Sunday in 1941. Americans have known the casualties of war, but not at the center of a great city on a peaceful morning. Americans have known surprise attacks, but never before on thousands of civilians. All of this was brought upon us in a single day. And night fell on a different world, a world where freedom itself is under attack. If tomorrow all the things were gone, I'd work for all my life, and I had to start again with just my children and my wife. I thank my lucky stars to be living here today. Cause the flag still stands for freedom And they can't take that away All gave some Some gave all Some stood through for the red, white and blue And some had to fall And if you ever of me Think of all your liberties and recall Some gave all And I'm proud to be an American Where at least I know I'm free And I won't forget the man who Cause there ain't no doubt I love this land God bless the USA I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands one nation under God Indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. Live Live. from Wilmington, Delaware, it's Behind the Mic, the radio show that talks about whatever. (laughs) Join us now as we dive into a variety of topics, from entertainment to politics and every aspect of life in between, mixed with a little fun, frolic, and mayhem. Now, without further ado, here is your host of Behind the Mic, Joel Mahalik. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, for the WQIB Radio Network. I'm Joel Mahalik, and welcome to the program. Uh, also, welcome with me, uh, Ron Richards. <laughs> Hello. I don't, I don't know. Do we need to change your name? No, that's I'll be Ron Richards tonight. This is great. Okay. Uh, All right. Of course, our producer also with us, Mr. Tony Richards. Uh, no relation. Oh no, not at all. Maybe implied, but not actually any relation. <laughs> uh, welcome good to evening, a spe- sir. <laughs> good evening. Welcome to a special edition of uh, Behind the Mic here on the WQIB Radio Network. 
Uh, we're sitting in here for uh, replacing the debut of Chillin' with Sharon. She'll be back next week to start that. But tonight on the 12th anniversary of 9-11, when the terrorist attacks uh, one year tonight to uh, you know talk about that, remember that. And, of course, as we typically do on the show, uh, you know, we'll, we'll also cover some news from today. Uh, so some of it you probably don't know because mainstream media doesn't cover it. Remember, folks, we're not Fox, MSNBC, NBC, CBS, ABC. We're more like Al Jazeera America, RT News. We're like the alternative news network. <laughs> hey, should we quick maybe copyright that? ATN? Or what? ANN? Alternative News Network? Maybe we should do that. Because you know what will happen next week? Someone will come out with the Alternative News Network. <laughs> Doesn't that always happen to us, Tony, here on the show? Yep, that's what usually happens around here. Yeah. We'll say something, and three weeks later, somebody's doing it. Or copying it. It's amazing. They might not listen to us on Sunday Night Live or whatever like that. See, there's another one. SNL, Sunday Night Live. See, somebody else stole that. <laughs> I do believe they had SNL before we had SNL. So I welcome you uh, today. Uh, it is 12 years ago uh, that terrorist attacks uh, landed on our shores by way of using airplanes filled with humans. Americans used them as bombs, and uh, you know maybe you heard different versions of the truth. Maybe you heard a lot of things. There's a lot of things out there floating around, but you know when it gets right down to the basic principle, something happened that day, and we lost well over three thousand American lives. And uh, and you know if we no matter what you've heard about it and what your opinion of it is, you know, Ron, the one small simple fact that remains is that after 9-11, life in these United States has changed. So no matter what version of the truth or what version of the story you read about here, we're told, one thing's for sure is everything has changed. So... Uh, that's the way it is. You know, if I can jump in here, it always seems—it always seemed like. Just walk in, Tony. When you read, um, when you read about news stories about things happening in previous wars or conflicts, we always assumed that with it being in the European countries, oh well, that makes sense because it's an overnight train ride from the neighboring countries and that type of thing, and that's why it was so easy for stuff like that to happen. But with the United States being separated by 10 hours of airfare, of, of airplane, or 4,000 miles of open ocean, that type of thing, um, and we seem to be kind of like almost like isolated from the possibility of it happening here. And you know then what? for it to happen on 9-11 with not only the fact that it happened, but with such precision and such timing, it, back then, at least for me, was almost uncanny. Right. Well, you know, to build on on that and to extend the point that you're making... Yeah, we're, yes, we're, what, 10 hours by flight away from anywhere. You know, we're kind of separate from, you know, um, I guess you'd call the major part of the <laughs> the global world. And that it was pulled off with such precision. Uh, the, I, I guess, the, you know, there, there are a couple things that bother me uh, about it. One of those things that affects me is, to your point, Tony, all the, you know, in recent weeks, in recent months, what we've learned about the the spying on other nations and, and all this stuff that's, that the United States is doing. And either they knew and ignored or they were too busy spying on allies and, you know, enemies outside the United States that they weren't paying enough attention to what was going on here because that is how the where the precision came from. That's how they carried it out with surgical precision. They were here working on it. Exactly. Exactly. One of the terrorist cells was actually holed up in an apartment complex no more than five or ten minutes actually away from where uh, 
my sister's house actually was just north of Washington D.C. Um, well, and as we as we know, you know, uh, at least one of the terrorists boarded a plane not 15 minutes from uh, you know our home office in, in in Maine, you know, in East Portland. Right. So you know that's these are interesting points that you learn later on that you go, wow, that really puts it. The point you made, the point I made, that puts it close to home. And a lot of times, like. Even the residents, um, when it came at, at, at neighborhood association meetings, most of the residents had no idea of who these people were. Most of them said they kept it themselves, but they really weren't, you know, standoffish or anything like that. They, they weren't drawing attention to themselves. But but they weren't but they, but they weren't hermits either. I mean, they were part of the community. Right. But they but. Like you said, they didn't go the other way either. They, they, they weren't isolated, but they didn't say, hi, this is who I am and this is what I'm going to do. They they just, you know, were just average citizens. Or maybe not citizens, but average members of their uh, local neighborhoods. Right, exactly. Uh, so, just uh, some quick facts. Of course, the first plane crashing into the North Tower at 8.46 a.m., 9.03, followed by a crash into the South Tower. And eight, 9.38, a plane crashing into the Pentagon. And then, of course, 10.10 10 a.m., a fourth plane crashing into a field in Somerset County, Pennsylvania, uh, supposedly overtaken by you know, some of the passengers on the plane uh, when they felt that they were you know, heading back east towards what you know, was believed the, to be the capital. So just some timeline facts there for you. Uh, a couple other facts. Uh, at the World Trade Center, 2,823 souls lost, 125 at the Pentagon on the flights. Flight 11, 92 people. Flight 175, 64 people. Flight 77, 64 people. Flight 93, 44 people. As I said, well over 3,000 people. Uh, if my quick head calculations are correct on that uh so you know this is one of those events like as i grew up you know my parents would always say you know everybody remembers where they were and what they were doing when john f kennedy was assassinated so that was like uh, a moment in time a moment frozen in time if you will uh and when i was growing up and now you know 9-11 is that defining frozen moment in time for me and I guess our generation you know most people will remember I can tell you we were in Kmart Sharon and I our, the girls were in school we so we decided to go out and get some things at Kmart and it was just there was just something happening while we were in Kmart with the crowds in Kmart and then we stopped and talked and asked somebody, and they told us what they heard on the news, and we looked at each other, and we were like, we, we should go home right now. Because, I mean, we were in Cape May, New Jersey. That is not far from New York City. Right. So, uh, and of course, you know, we were glued to the television for the next two weeks, but it was a defining moment. And, uh, Ron, are you there? Yes, I am. Ron, is, is that a frozen moment in time for you? Do you know where you were, what you were doing at that moment? I'm sure it had something to do with school. Oh, yeah, without a doubt. I was at school. Uh, we just got done with the morning announcements. I was getting ready to uh, go out and patrol the uh, parking lot and such and uh, saw you know, the aftermath of the first hit uh, on the tower. On CNN, they had it on the screen you know, on the monitor because something was going on. They weren't sure if, if it was an accident. Uh, everybody's speculating what went wrong. And then uh, just then, the uh, second plane hit the second tower, and then you pretty much had an idea what was going on. And I just remember being sitting there watching it in disbelief. Yeah, it, it was a disbelieving moment. Tony, uh, what, you, sir, what were you doing? And uh well, at that time, I was um, actually going into work at 10 o'clock in the morning, so I, I was still home. I was watching the news like I did every morning, and I saw the first one hit, um, and I was like, okay, somebody made a wrong turn, which is what everybody else thought, I guess, at the time. Yeah, they assumed it was like a small Cessna or something that just was flying too low and lost control. 
And um, because that is restricted airspace around the, well, Trade Center buildings, obviously, because of the height and everything else. And then, as I was watching, the second one came in and hit the other tower. And so I was just, like, called OK. And so I started calling some of my media contacts. And, of course, nobody really wanted to talk at that point. They were all too busy. But, uh, you know, and so I just tried to follow the rest of the day. And then I got ready to go to work. But um, my cousin actually... Uh, worked, uh, the World Trade Center complex takes up about eight blocks or so of that whole uh, area up there. Right. And he was actually working in the World Trade Center complex. He was not working in one of those two towers, but he was about three blocks away. And um, at the time that it happened, He'd gotten to work at about uh, 8.30 in the morning, about 25 after 8 or so, checked in, signed into his computer, and then he was going to go downstairs for a smoke. He was on his way downstairs when the first plane hit, and he and a co-worker, and so he was on his way out the door when the first one, so he actually saw the first plane hit, and he was like just in utter, total disbelief. And then the second plane hit, and he's like saying, screw this, I'm not going back upstairs. <laughs> I'm not going back to my desk, because I don't know what else is happening. Right. He, he he went back, He you know, he went home, but of course they had shut down the, um, uh, you know, the, obviously the subways and all that kind of stuff. And uh, But even to this day, uh, every year now on 9-11, he takes the day off. Um, he actually was living in New York at the time. He moved out of New York that week. Uh, he didn't care about breaking the lease. He didn't care about anything. He moved back home here to Baltimore um, and worried about getting out of his lease later. Um, but he loved living in the central downtown area and all that kind of stuff. Just and every year since, he's taken the day off from work and, like, gone to the beach or gone wherever just to just to get away. Right. And, you know, with, uh, you know, with 9-11 on that day, I mean, it, I think it impacted a lot of things. Uh, I know, like, the schools were locked down in our area, so the kids were, you know, they couldn't leave until they were basically leaving going from door to the bus, you know, kind of thing. So, the, the, you know, schools were in lockdown, and I, according to my uh, girls at the time, you know, basically you weren't doing any studies. Everyone had their TVs on in their classrooms, and they just spent the day watching the news from that point forward. Is that uh, a similar situation, Ron, to, uh, to what happened in Chicago? I know discussions took place, um... it, just like anywhere else, you know, whether it was the Sears Tower in our area or all the high-rise buildings, the schools, they were they were discussing plans, but we never reached the lockdown mode, but security, you know, was on high alert, so to speak, just making looking for anything out of the ordinary. Right. Uh, and, you know, uh, Tony, I mean, you know, being, uh, you know, so close to Washington where, you know, it seemed that other than New York, uh, there was a concentrated attack on Washington and, you know, how did life in in the Baltimore suburbs change immediately that day? What was going? What was the what was the uh, atmosphere like? Well, obviously, Amtrak, as you know, runs north and south through the area. They shut down Amtrak. Mm-hmm. Um, Baltimore, Washington International, BWI Airport's a major um, airport on the on the East Coast. So that, of course, went into lockdown mode. Um, Security went, you know, to full load here. Um, everything just kind of, you know, most of the government offices went into high alert. Um, and, you know, the police presence, you know, ramped up, obviously, considerably, because nobody knew what was next. 
You know, I mean, you know, especially with the plane that got diverted and crashed into the field. You know, that one headed towards the Capitol. They said, were there any, you know, there were a couple other um, planes reportedly into the, in, in the air that just turned out to be private planes. But the FAA grounded its, you know, all the aircraft in the area. Um, you know, the, the White House obviously went in a lockdown mode. Um, you know, but the thing that gets me, I guess, is that moving forward now, 12 years forward, is I have to wonder, based on where we are with today's administration, what would happen if we had a repeat performance or something like that? How would today's administration react? And maybe that's something that we can discuss when the other side of the break, because we don't really... Yeah, that's something that I think is an interesting question, but I do think it warrants more time. So we'll table that to after the break, because that is a very interesting question. And I think it's... Uh, I've heard that circulate yesterday and today around a lot of alternative news. You know, what if this happened then? So, we'll, we, yeah, we'll get into that discussion later. But, you know, a point I wanted to bring up is uh, I was watching, you know, there's been shows on for two days all over the networks, you know, Remembrance shows and whatnot. And I was watching a documentary yesterday, and they were interviewing the chief of staff for President Bush at the time. So he was doing some talking about, you know, uh, when President Bush was in the classroom with the children and how he was trying to decide how he was going to tell him because he, he like he knew about the, the one plane. And I guess they, uh, they told him, or I think before uh, George Bush went into the classroom, I think he knew about that. But, you know, then he got the call about the second plane. So he was talking about how he was trying to juggle this information, make it short, sweet, he really didn't want to go in there, He, you know, in the first place. He didn't want to go in and create a panic. And he said he went in and he whispered two facts into his ear. A plane hit the second tower and America's under attack. And, you know, when you listen to some of the conspiracy theories out there and whatnot, uh, and, you know, you start buying into it whether you want to or not, but when you read enough of it, uh, I thought differently after I saw this documentary and listened to him speak because it puts a different uh, puts a different light on exactly the reaction that George Bush had and why he had it. Yeah, so there's always the conspiracy theory, and then you know, and obviously there's two sides to every story. But I what I thought was uh, ignorant is the word I use. Is uh, during some of the footage you can see a lot of the because they had a, a a news pool in the back you know, a press pool in the back of the classroom. And you can see some footage, you can see a lot of them looking at their phones, they were obviously getting alerts and whatnot. So, you know, uh, President Bush wraps this thing up with the classroom, you know, as best he can, he's keeping his composure. And the minute he rises from the seat, you know, the press pool started shouting questions about it to him, which I thought was very ignorant, because after the work involved in, can you imagine being the chief of staff of the president, having to go into that room and tell him something like that? You know, the restraint that President Bush had to have just to get out of that classroom to find out just what is going on? And right. the way they attacked him like that, I thought, you know, the, but like I said, the best word I can come up with is, is just plain ignorant. I agree. We were just talking about that today, my father and I. So, I mean, uh, very crazy. It was a very crazy day, and I guess that's, uh, you know, I guess that's a moment when you really don't want to be the president of the United States. But it was, uh, it was mayhem. It was a pretty incredible, pretty incredible day. Uh, as I said, you know, it, uh, I think there was a day, I think we were off that day and the next day from work naturally. So I know those two days, I don't, you know, it was very hard to leave the television because, you know, for the most part, they had no idea what was going on and, and, and when it would be contained. Right. So, so I mean, everything was pretty much um, locked down. Yeah. 
So, well, the thing that stood out for me, you know, being within 25 minutes of O'Hare was just not seeing an a- airplane every minute and 30 seconds. That was really weird. Yeah, well, they gra- they had a ground, what, close to 5,000 planes over, yeah. the, over the continent, actually. And it it was at least two or three days. Well, I mean, <clears> you know, <throat> the planes were grounded. So, I mean, that's an odd occurrence in this area. I'll put it like that. Right. Well, you know, um, the Associated Press did a really uh, nice remembrance piece today. Uh, we have that. So, Tony, if you just put your finger on the button. I feel the same pain. I don't, you know, that's that's pain. When you lose a son, it's never go away. And I feel the same. I have to come every day, every year here, because he don't, we don't found him. Michael A. Aziak. And my father, an amazing father, Jose Nunez Castillo. Thank you for the amazing memories. We love you and miss you so much. Your brother, your sister, and you have a niece and a nephew now. God love you and take good care of you, because I know that he's holding you close in the palm of his hand near his heart. Uh, Beautiful piece uh, by AP covering the uh, ceremonies today. Obviously a large ceremony that went on at Ground Zero or what was known as Ground Zero at the site of the World Trade Center, uh, where all the names were read today. And, of course, uh, the President of the United States spoke there uh, in one of his stops today. And, um, you know, they do a a nice thing every year. And uh, you can – the pain, I guess, they go through is – I don't – I don't know. The pain of losing someone is hard enough. But the pain of losing someone like that is pretty terrible. Uh, so we are going to step away for a quick moment and, uh, we'll be back after this on WQIB. We remember. For those of you just joining us, give us a call. Toll free, 866-417-4359. That's 866-417-4359. McGruff, the crime dog here with my nephew Scruff. Get a pencil and write down an important address. It's for the new McGruff comic activity book. And it's full of me. The address is... Scruff McGruff, Chicago, Illinois, 60652. Hey, Scruff. It tells you what to do about guns and about bullies and drugs and about strangers who want to give you a ride. And it's full of games and puzzles, too. So for your free copy of my new comic activity book, just write... Not bad. Can I do it again? One more time. You'll be helping me take a bite out of crime. A public service message from this station, the U.S. Department of Justice, the Crime Prevention Coalition, and the Ad Council. Streaming 24 hours, 7 days a week. You're listening to Full Gamut Radio at FGRN.net. This is Joe Perry and Steven Tyler of Aerosmith for Red. You know, it's okay to rock and roll and party down. Just don't get in that 2,000-pound bullet when you're done and cocked. And please don't drink and drive. I'm the one that jaded you. 
A reminder that friends don't let friends drive drunk. A public service message brought to you by the Ad Council, U.S. Department of Transportation, National Association of Broadcasters, and RAD. Well, I was Tim when I first got involved with drugs. When I first got pregnant, school was not important to me, so I dropped out. The only way I can make something out of my life is if I get an education. Stay in school. Give yourself a chance. I want to be somebody. A public service message brought to you by the U.S. Army and the Ad Council. TalkSuperStation.com Talk. Spoken here. And here's my cell phone number. The number of the restaurant. Honey, come on. He'll be fine. The odds of a babysitter calling 911? 1 in 1,400. The odds of a child being diagnosed with autism? 1 in 150. Here are some of the signs. No big smiles or other joyful expressions by six months. No back and forth sharing of sounds or facial expressions by nine months. And no babbling by 12 months. To learn more of the signs, visit AutismSpeaks.org. Brought to you by Autism Speaks and the Ad Council. To contact Joe Mahalik or our guests, you can call right now at 646-716-8609. That's 646-716-8609. Or you can email your questions and comments to studio at BehindTheMic.info. That's studio at BehindTheMic.info. Now, let's get back to the show. Welcome back to a special edition of uh, Behind the Mic on the WQYB Radio Network where we're remembering 9-11-2001 and uh, also uh, in this second portion of the show we will uh, cover some uh, opinions and some news today that uh, I actually just before the show found out about uh, one particular large piece of news I didn't realize until I saw some people talking about it online that the major networks did not even cover and that was the uh, the bikers, the biker rally in Washington D.C. And I thought they had because I had actually told someone on Facebook. I said, "Well, I saw pictures from my local ABC affiliate." And then when I went back and looked and double checked, that it was actually the ABC affiliate, not here in Philadelphia, but the ABC affiliate in Washington D.C. So apparently, uh, you know, and and this is why we talk about alternative news, and, and we are alternative radio we're alternative talk radio and therefore we will bring you alternative news uh, on our social media and here on the programs and so if you're not sure why this is such news well you have to step back a little bit a couple of weeks you know the uh, the bikers wanted to have a originally it was what a million biker rally in remembrance of 9/11 in Washington, D.C., so they applied for a permit. Now, the permit would allow them to have police escort through traffic. And their permit was denied. <laughs> and, of course, the National Park Service and you know uh, said that it, ha- it was not politically motivated. However, the Million Muslim March got their permit for their march on Washington, D.C. And Tony uh, has something to say about that. He said that apparently they, they uh, made a a quick, I would say, politically correct change in the Million Muslim March. Tony? Yeah, they actually changed the name. Uh, It was originally billed the Million Muslim March, and then they reworded it to the Million American March Against Fear. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah. Um... And according to one of our news sources here, uh, Mark Seagraves of the NBC affiliate in Washington reported that, and this is at lunchtime, folks, which is when it was supposed to happen, that only about 25 people, including activist Cornell West, uh, were at the Muslim March as of 12.30 p.m. this afternoon with a group of a of Christians about the same size nearby. As of about 1 p.m. this afternoon, D.C. police reported there were close to a million bikers in Washington, D.C. <laughs> With more mm. still coming in. Yeah. Well, you know, the, the a, a couple uh, things about the biker uh, rally put together by co-founding grassroots organizer Belinda B. 
uh, as conceptualized by uh, biker Top Fuel Bill Williamson. Uh, this event has migrated to an all-out Facebook movement, so it was a very grassroots uh, among bikers as thousands upon thousands of patriotic Americans from all over the U.S. plan to meet in Washington, D.C. Now, according to Tony, uh, they did learn that bikers have come from all the way from the West Coast and Canada all the way into Washington. So it did. Uh, the bikers came in stretching across the U.S.A. And uh, they showed up. They showed up without a permit. They exercised their right to gather. And all eyes were on this because, one, the media wasn't covering it. The only thing you saw in the media is that their permit was denied. So the mainstream media didn't cover it. But the most interesting part about this story is they went. Uh, 800,000 plus decided they were going anyway. According to the um, organization, the American Muslim Political Action Committee, they were criticized for scheduling the march on the anniversary of 9-11. And organizers insisted the name changed was because many non-Muslim Americans were terrified of Muslims who were, quote, portrayed by Hollywood and the U.S. media as fanatical terrorists. Oh, jeez. Okay, wow. the name changed. Uh, the name was changed because organizers said, and I'm quoting this from the article here, because the original name was proved to be "quote unquote" too scary. Wow. Yeah. I don't Go ahead, Ron. Yeah, I, 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 let I, it I, out. <laughs> Are you really sure you want me to? My lord, I. Ugh. Tony, do we want him to? It's it's absolutely amazing. As Tony said to me, Ron, before we went on the air, this is WQIB, isn't it? Yes, it is. Well, I I guess what I have to say is to the, you know, the organizers of the Million Muslim March and to the politically renaming of it, don't piss on my back and tell me it's raining. That's basically what I have to say. There you go. Yeah. Unbelievable. And just the the nerve, the gall of having your march on that day and trying to create what you did and now playing this I'm the victim thing, you know? It, unbelievable. Yeah, you know, it, it, it rings a little bit like some of the, the race baiting that was going on in previous weeks. Oh, without around, a doubt. Around the nation, you know, and, and, and it's like, you know... Uh, I do see it as, you know, I don't understand, and Tony, maybe I know you got your finger on the pulse of the, of the story. Maybe I don't understand what it was they were gathering for, because like Ron says, I'm not sure I understand why you would hold this on this day. Because it That's does the seem to be paragraph. a little bit of a, that, that, that seems to be a bit of a slap in the face. I mean, I'm not saying, you know, that... You know, I think, how do I want to say this? You know, not everyone thinks that every one of the Muslims that are in this country are extremist jihadists. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Right. So, you know, um, I don't know. Get Pull your head out from under the rock because that's not re- what's really going on. So you're forcing that statement. You're forcing that outlook on yourself. By by doing this, I just think it's kind of like a, a a bit of a slap, Tony. Oh, it gets better if you look at what I sent you um, in the production chat window. It actually gets better than that. Um, they also claim that Muslims too live in fear of being dragged off in the night to Guantanamo and tortured simply because they are the, are the crime of being a Muslim. Not under this regime. Oop, I'm sorry. <laughs> and uh, what else? Uh, what else did it say? The organizers refused to change the date of the march so significant to Americans because of the terrorist attacks by fanatical Muslims 12 years ago because, quote, September 11, 2001 was the beginning of a new era of fear. 
Since 9-11, Americans have, have been terrorized by the media, according to them. Well, that last line that le- is a true statement because Americans are, uh, you know, uh, are terrorized by the media. We are. No, I'm not disagreeing with that. But what I'm saying is it's not, we're not being terrorized by but the ta- fanatical Muslims. We're being terrorized right. by the media. Right, well, they're taking a true statement and just kind of, you know, twisting it into, you know, this is why. Because, in a way, this is our day, too. Hey, I'm sorry, it was, an, it, it, it's America's day. And if, and to the Muslims yeah. out there, it, you know, it, it, if you hear me, it, as I said, just this past, was it this past Sunday night, I made the statement, hey, you've come to this country. So you are American. Yes, you have your Muslim beliefs and your religions, and that's what this country is about. You can be free to do that here. Mm-hmm. Well, but don't twist it up like this, because this this should have affected you for the same reason it affects me. Not, you know, uh, it just seems to me, reading now what you're saying, I'm kind of reading along with you in my head, and it just seems to me that they've, they've taken this and, and, and they're creating their own era. I think the best um, open-ended, bold statement that I ever made, though, was the last one there where it says, quote, they have been taught to fear their neighbors. They have been incubated with fear of other religions. They have been brainwashed into fearing people with brown skins, turbans, and foreign accents. Oh, boy. If that was the case, why do people shop at 7-Eleven? Thank you. Wow. Yeah. Or going to yellow cabs in Chicago. I mean, we were all affected in this country by this event in one way or another. But, you know, like I said, you know, there's a lot of controversy around this whole bikers didn't get their permits. The Muslims got their permits. It's something weird about that. Oh, yeah. Well, I, I just want to thank the bikers for planning that once they got word of, you know, the Million Muslim March. That, that may sound shallow, but I, I I really believe that. Thank you, bikers. And I, and I appreciate them for standing up for their rights. Exactly. You know, uh, I, I, I got to say something. You know, in, the, in recent weeks, in recent months... You know, we, we've been under the fear, we're, we've been terrorized by the lack of the media giving us the truth, so we have to get it from other sources, and it, and it puts it puts some fear in us, it puts some fear in me, I know it puts some fear in you guys about our government and our liberty and our freedoms, and the bikers said, well, we're, we're doing it, this is our right, and so I applaud them for that, and I also, I'm going to bring up, because it's fitting, I applaud the voters in Colorado, because they threw two state senators out. Mm-hmm. You know, using the the system that's in place, and you know that between the bikers and the voters in Colorado, I'm I'm, I'm sorry, it gives me a little more faith in we the people. Definitely. So, I think the American people are starting to get a little bit wiser to what's going on. I think Washington's getting a little bit more fearful, as to the fact that the American people are getting a little bit wiser. Right. And I think there's a lot of people in Washington who need to look at what happened in Colorado, and yeah. And if I were them, I would either start pre-packing your bags because it happened. That's a small scale because they were state senators in, inside the state senate, and the system to recall works all the way up the chain. What I'm hoping though is that the media is not brainwashed by the people in Congress and in Washington as a as a collective into being able to be bold enough to air what what actually happened in Colorado. Well the mainstream I, media I have to tell you did not cover it very much. It was uh, I mean, you know, uh, I, I the best story I saw about it was from Al Jazeera America, and they had a reporter that actually followed one of the two senators while he was going door-to-door trying to rally support to not get thrown out of office. It did not work. He lost. Yeah. He, 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 they are packing his boxes. 
Well, according to him and the other one, they got thrown out. The, the they the you know candidates against him didn't stand a chance. Uh, you know the. <laughs> They're just right-wing tea partiers, you know. I mean, come on. Yeah, I love it. That was awesome news. Uh, yeah, by the way. that yeah, and and that's that's something that I I really frown upon. Uh, there's no secret here that I have no respect for either of the two main political parties, the, uh, the Democrats or the uh, Republicans, and uh, you know, and the way that they treat independent parties. And they say things like that. Oh, these tea partiers, they ruin everything. And, you know, what, uh, two years ago, uh, was it, uh, 26 Tea Party Republicans won seats in the Congress? Mm-hmm. And then when they were working on the budget and these 26 people said, we're not voting for this. This is not right. We need to cut, cut, cut. And then what is the, you know, the, the, the House leader comes out and says, well, these Tea Partiers are just keeping us from passing a budget. Yeah. Hey, you haven't passed a budget in four years. If they weren't there, who would you blame? The custodians? <coughs> so. Well, they'd blame somebody. That's for sure. But, but of course, it's not them. Yeah. Tony yeah. brings up a really good point before we went to break, and we're too close to, to break to want to, uh, you know, lash this out in discussion. But uh, this has come up. So, and it does garner some, garner some discussion when we think about, uh, you know, the NSA snooping, the AP wiretaps. Uh, a year ago today, Benghazi consulate, four Americans uh, tortured to death. No response from America, no justice, no, uh, you know, Hillary Clinton, recipient of the Liberty Medal last night. What difference does it make now? So the question comes up with the way that this government is behaving. What might have been the turn of events on and after September 11, 2001, with this current government in power? That is frightening to think about. Mm-hmm. Because here's somebody who, you know, his foreign policy since he has taken office in his first term was to bow down and kiss the hands of all these, you know, Arab nation rulers and apologize for things that no business America apologizing for. Yeah. And so all these years that he's been in office, he's made us look like, you know, uh, a bunch of wusses globally. So what I, I have to say, yes, I think that the, the, the outcome would have been much different had he been in power when we were attacked. And as Tony said, if something were to happen, to, if something happened today, what might, what 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 could we expect? Look what happened on the anniversary of 9-11 last year. According to the Constitution and according to law, if a consulate is attacked, you are, no matter where it is in the world, you have attacked the United States. You have made a declaration of war against the United States. And we did nothing. And not only did they do nothing, they denied eight requests for military help. Yeah. So really, Tony, to answer your question, all you have to do is look at the facts. And use Benghazi as your example. If it happened here on our on American soil again, what difference does it make? So, Tony, you brought up the question. Did you have any other commentary that you wanted to? Well, no, no. I'm just, uh, you know, I'm just wondering because. But Vaughn, no matter what you thought about Bush as a president, he did carry an air of authority about him in the sense that people knew that this country was not a country. There was going to be a pushover mm-hmm. when things came down to what was going to happen with, you know, repercussions. 
when you look at the current administration, you see a president that, for lack of a better phrase, a lot of people are saying that he's going around apologizing to everybody and his brother for all the quote-unquote wrongs that were um, portrayed on the world based on previous administrations. And he's trying to apologize and make it right. Well, okay, um, we've talked about this on the show before. When you've got an ally in the form of Israel who's in the middle of two hotheads, regardless of whether or not you need the oil that's in the middle of the East, because you've got the most number of oil reserves in the in, in the world that you're sitting on, but you're not allowed to drill for it. Why tick them off by giving things back to the Palestinians? Right. Are you trying to push the power? Uh, 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 are you trying to push the button over there or light a fuse by doing that? But what has this administration been doing? And it's not just that example. There's plenty of them. Right. And I think you know, it, the, the difference between, uh, you know, uh, President Bush and President Obama in this situation is, I think, uh, I mean, it, it's pretty obvious when you watch uh, the news that does cover the truth that George W. Bush was pro-American. Mm-hmm. I mean, really, that's the adjective that I would describe. I mean, you know, like him, hate him, have questions about some of the things he did. Where, you know, I mean, a lot of people are angry at him because of the Patriot Act. The Patriot Act is such an invasion on our rights. You know? But whether you like it or not, this it's something that he did that he felt was important because of the change in times. That's pro-American. You know, there's just, uh, there's, there's a lot of questionable, and it, you know, and, and it, we don't have to sit here and say it. I mean, if you've watched the Congress, congressional debates and hearings this week, you know, people in the House, some of the Republicans, and, and, and by, this doesn't give you any leeway with me, Republicans, I'm still watching you, just because a couple of you are speaking out and saying that this president has no credibility in this nation. And... I was just talking to, you know, my wife tonight at dinner, and I said, I can't remember a time. This must be like the Nixon years, because I don't remember a time when a president had this much negative credibility by the people. Yep. I mean, I thought it was bad during the 2012 elections, and I shaking my head and scratching my head going, how did he get reelected? And now fast forward... A year later, and it's just, look what's happened in that year. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, we we don't want another nine eleven event here. Or worse. Or worse, right? I mean, right now we're looking. You know, I mean, right now it's looking like he says that we need to go attack Syria. Regardless of whatever Congress approves of it or not. Because it's the proper thing to do. And the Facebook post that we shared last week sometime said, and I love the picture, said that a large group of baboons is called a Congress. Need we say more? Right. You racist. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> oh, boy. Yeah. So, so, yeah, there's, so there's a... I'm sorry, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, so regardless of, you know, this administration has categorically gone ahead and done whatever the hell it wants to do, regardless of what stands in its way, or who, 
And he says, well, yeah, I understand that we really can't do that, but so we're going to rewrite things. I mean, today, for example, the IRS, just to go on a different tangent, said that it's rewriting the law to allow um, same-sex marriage partners to be able to file federal tax returns and get all the benefits of, of marriage partners, regardless of whether the state that they're in allows it or not. And that takes effect on September 16th, and that's going to go back and affect retirement accounts, estate accounts, and everything else. So here again, the IRS, which by definition is illegal by some people's definitions, and I guess constitutionally it's illegal for them to tax anything, is going to go ahead and, and, and rewrite the law anyway. Right. And where do we go? Yep. Yeah. I was just looking at some uh, news of the day. I, you know, I, I know we're what three minutes out here. Uh, you know, uh, Russia's uh, Moskva missile cruiser, dubbed the Carrier Killer by NATO, has passed through the Straits of Gibraltar and is now headed toward the Eastern Mediterranean to assume command of the Russian naval force there. Just, uh, just a couple <laughs> headlines. Iran to the United States, we will destroy your world. Uh, <laughs> and yet we do nothing. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, I mean, it's the public opinion to not get involved over there. I mean, you yeah. know, and, and just look at some of the things that are that are heating up over there. I mean, that's all I'm, I, I'm just bringing up, you know. Yeah, I know. So, oh, by the way, uh, Hillary uh, Clinton, who won somehow, somehow. Stole. I mean, one the uh, Liberty Medal was actually heckled during her uh, ceremony about Benghazi. So, yeah. But, um. Anyway, so uh, today's nine eleven. Uh, I, I want to thank everyone who listened. You can pick up the show on uh, our Spreaker page, Spreaker.com. Just look up WQYB. All the shows are there. You'll be able to pick up this show, listen to it, share it, pass it around, and uh, feel free to send us an email at WQYBnetwork at gmail.com if you're interested and have a comment or a question or, you know, maybe uh, something you want want to say about 9-11. We'll put it in print on on the social media network. So, and uh, hopefully you all took a moment of silence. Of course, uh, I know I did all this morning and said a little something to myself for the victims and the heroes of 9-11. And, uh, you know, it's important to thank people you, you see and run into from the military. They do work hard for us. And, uh, you know, firefighters, police, you know, uh, they do very important jobs. Sometimes we complain about them. Sometimes they have really weird policies and do stupid things that show up in the alternative media. But I think when it comes right down to it, yeah, they snap pretty much into action. Yes, so, they do. Uh, even, even though uh, I was talking to a gentleman yesterday who said, "Is it weird that the police are starting to look more military?" <laughs> Yes, it is scary, but uh, that, that subject we'll have to wait for another time in another episode. Next week on Wednesday, tonight, 8 o'clock Eastern, Chillin' with Sharon debuts on the WQIB radio network, uh, as well as some of our affiliates. So you can check that out at WQIB on Facebook. And hopefully the next time I'm on air with you, I'll actually know what our, fa- well, our new webpage is. <laughs> I can tell you how to get there. <laughs> so thanks to everybody that listened. Ron, thank you for uh, sitting down with me tonight and remembering 9-11. You're uh, welcome. Tony, thank you for taking the change in planned plans so lightly and in an emergent situation. And uh, to everybody else, uh, Sharon will debut next week with a new show. I'll see you again Sunday night on Behind the Mic. So uh, re- just remember, because we'll always remember, Never forget 9-11. Good night, everyone.
have been listening to Behind the Mic with Joe Mahalik. We would like to thank all our guests for joining in today. You can download show archives and learn more about Behind the Mic by going to www.wbtm.info. That's wbtm.info. You can also call the WBTM radio network directly at 302-261-5397. That's 302-261-5397. Until next time, remember to have fun, drive safe, and smile at a stranger. Bye for now.